Hello, guys. Welcome back. Super excited about today's episode because one of my favorite people in the world is joining us, and that is Jamie Jensen. Now, I know that a few weeks ago you heard from my other amazing friend, Susie Moore, and Jamie is part of a tribe. We have a group of us that we call the Golden Girls. It is me, Susie, Jamie, and Elizabeth Ryder, all of which have been on this podcast and all of which are just geniuses in their own right. And where Jamie comes in is her genius in copywriting and copywriting consulting and in really cultivating how to share and tell a story. And we're going to be diving into a lot of that today. What I love about Jamie is that she's a truth teller. She is a truth seeker, and she has this uncanny magic about her to be able to see something in you that you don't see in yourself. So her way of being able to give advice doesn't even really explain it. Her way, just her insightfulness to be able to help redirect or shift you on a path where you need to go is uncanny. And that is why she is such an incredible consultant. So if you are anyone who is in the writing phase and you're looking for someone to help you cultivate better writing, to help you understand your story more so you can create better stories in your writing, she is the go-to for that. And I'm so excited to finally have her on this podcast. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Jamie Jensen. I just introduced you that way. I love it. (laughs) Jamie Jensen. Okay, y'all. For those of you who don't know, Jamie is one of my best friends in the whole wild world. I become like a giddy little six-year-old when I'm with her. I'm like, let's go play. Um, I love her so much. She is an incredible, incredible human being. She is so kind and compassionate and amazing and beautiful and abundant and so much light. I could literally go on and on about her all day. And on top of all of that, she's also an incredible, incredible writer and strategist and entrepreneur and creative. And I'm just so lucky to have her in my life and to have her on the podcast today. Hi, Jamie. Yay. Hi. That was so kind. Thank you for introducing me so beautifully, Julie. I love you too. Well, you know, I'm so obsessed with you. And now everyone that's listening is about to be because you truly are so amazing. And I'm so, uh, I'm just so fortunate that we got to meet a few years ago now um, in a mastermind which again is just another one of the many reasons why creating your own business and being an entrepreneur is so incredible because then you get to be a part of things like masterminds if you choose to be and meet people like you and then your whole life changes. So go mastermind. Yeah. I would have to, I I would, I'm going to co-sign on that statement. Co-sign, join communities with other awesome people. So you can connect with the like-minded folks. It's so true. And that's what we're doing here today virtually. So, um, Jamie, if you wouldn't mind just telling our audience a little bit about, I mean, how we met, but then how, how you got there and kind of your journey, your creative journey to 
how you serve women and men today. (laughs) 5% of my audience is male. Let's not leave them out. (laughs) Not that I know the exact metric or statistic on that, but let's be honest. Right. Yeah. So hi, thank you so much for having me. First of all, my journey to getting here, there's so many aspects to this journey, but really the way that I began serving the online community that I serve was I have a background in screenwriting, filmmaking, storytelling, um, and a master's in the, in producing, which is essentially the business of film, right. Which is the business of content on a macro scale, right. Lab is like big content, narrative content, entertainment content, right. So I came to the, what we'll call the online marketing and business world and coaching personal development world by way of being a filmmaker who was bartending to make money. And for many years through undergraduate, through, through getting a storytelling degree at NYU, through making my first feature film that won an award through all of this. Right. Um, and being the person that everyone came to for, help me write my about page for my website or, um, oh, you're writing something. There's something I really want to be writing too. And I want to work on it. Can I talk to you about it? And I just became that person in my communities. Right. Um, and I, and I was surrounded by other creative entrepreneurs. I had gone to an arts high school in New York city, which is where I'm from. And so there were many people that I had grown up with who were starting to branch off into their own creative entrepreneurship. Some of them were like starting streetwear brands. Some of them were starting candle companies, some of them, you know, doing their own kind of creative thing, but still coming to me for help with what words do I put on my website? How do I communicate what I'm doing? How do I make it sound better? And I just became that person that people came to for that. And so um, being someone who's very personal development minded, and I would say intuitive, I was drawn to take coach training as a potential option for my business. And what ultimately ended up happening was as I got into that community, I was still the person that everyone came to for help with how to communicate what they did and write the words on their website. And so at that point, it just became really clear to me that that was probably the business I needed to be in which is true. Whenever you're getting started with like, what's my business? What do I do? It's usually the thing that everyone's already showing up asking you for. And you learn how to just say, okay, this is actually a service that I offer. So how do I turn that into a business? And that is actually how I started. And so I started by creating services around that and serving in that way. And it kind of has scaled from there in terms of, um, you know, figuring out ways that I can serve more people and just, and kind of expand and make a greater impact in how I support other creative entrepreneurs, coaches, healers, wellness warriors, and like that kind of section of the community that I would consider really driven by their heart. Hmm. So you were able to kind of pinpoint how you could be a solution provider and a service provider to the community around you by basically paying attention to what they were asking from you. Mm-hmm. So for someone who may be listening that's saying, I don't know what I should create. I'm passionate about a lot of things. I don't know what my genius may be. Do you have any advice or insights on what to look out for, be it intuitively you know, or what you, what you hear, what you say, because some people don't, don't have that and natural ability to do that. It, 
it really is the thing that people show up and ask you for help for always that's consistent. So it's that. And I would say that it's also, you know, when we're talking about business, it's that sweet spot, you know, I'm picturing like the Venn diagram with two circles where it's the thing that you're most passionate about and the thing that people are willing to pay you for. And so I think that there's a big um, desire for many of us to start a business based entirely on what we're excited about and what we really want to do and what our dream is. And, oh my gosh, like, this is what I, this is what I really want. And I love, and it's like, that's so great. I deserve it. I deserve it. it. I'm worth it. Okay. (laughs) I'm smart and beautiful and damn it. I'm worth it. I'm worth it. And I deserve it. I deserve it. Um, but you have to like, we're talking about business. Okay. So that right. comes down and to you you do know, money. Deserve it. And <laughs> you do deserve it. You do deserve it. And like money is the fuel of business, right? Like our bodies need blood and businesses need money. Like that's how this works. So when we're talking about marketing and we're talking about business, you can create all the services you want all the live along day. But if no one's willing to pay you for them, then like you don't really have a business. So it's important to really identify like, what is it that's valuable that your that your market, your community already deems as valuable because it's solving a problem for them and is something that you love doing, love providing, feels naturally easy for you. Um, and, and that's kind of where the investigation begins. So I would say, you know, my advice is like, try stuff because only through trying stuff are you going to figure it out. But in saying that, you know, I really mean that in the most limitless way possible. Yes. And I want to touch on that passion piece a little bit more because I would love your, your perspective on the barometer. Is that the word? The barometer of that. And what I mean by that is a lot of times where I've even gotten stuck and I've seen so many women in my community get stuck is that they say like, but the thing that I'm most passionate about is not necessarily the thing that people want to buy from me. And I've even experienced that with myself is that some of my most successful products and services are kind of like more at that level of, I don't want to say that they're boring necessarily, but it's just, it's something that I might've been passionate about years and years and years ago. And I was really good at it. And so it was something that was kind of, I may be at this more high level of like this really big thing that I'm passionate about, but it may just not connect to what the vast majority of people want. And so I kind of have to go down to that like medium level of passion of like, what is actually going to keep me into this? Like, keep me excited enough to do this that they also want at the same time. Does that make sense? And kind of what is your take on that? Yeah, 100%. And so my take on that is, because this comes up a lot and I have clients that struggle with this also, and we talk about this often. And I believe that that's about self-expression. It's two things. One is like, it's being fully expressed. And the second thing is, it's it's something that at one point wasn't boring to you. And now it's just, you've kind of outgrown it and it's just not as exciting to you because the newness isn't there anymore. And I think that there's like two different issues here. So with the newness issue, it's kind of like, it's like you have to work on your relationship with that, with the product or that piece of your business, because if it's a revenue generator, um, you know, there is this level of, you know, having something sustainable for the long term um, 
like having a healthy relationship with something is, is not exciting. It's kind of like having, it's like dating someone who isn't a jerk. It's like, (laughs) oh, well, that's just like not as exciting, but, but like they, everyone talks about healthy relationships being boring. And I think that the same can be true for your business, where if you really want to be committed to building a business that is, that is successful, like a lot of business ultimately comes back to like doing the same thing systematically, constantly all the time. Like what's exciting about running a McDonald's? Like probably not a lot, but it's a business. You know what I mean? And it's scalable and it's franchised and it's huge. So I think that there's an element of that. And then there's an element of being fully self-expressed, which I think what I see for my clients is like, there's pieces of you that get to be expressed in your business. And there's pieces of you that get to be expressed outside of your business. And I think when we start a business that's based on our passions, we have this expectation that our business is going to be the vehicle for every way that we express ourselves. And then if we feel like there's a piece of us that wants to be expressed, something we want to say, something we want to voice, something we want to write, um, you know, there's this, this habit of almost like wanting to monetize every passion we have in the culture that we are in right now. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, having this expectation that the business will be the vehicle or the platform for us to then be all of ourselves. and and. So full permission to be all of yourself in every area of your life and let your business be your business. Hmm. Yes, I love that. Thank you. And I think that it's it's important to note too, the passion piece and then the other side of that that we were talking about is the marketplace, the customer. What is it that they're looking for? A lot of times people, when they kind of go down the passion trail and they're like, okay, I've, I've niched it down. I know like, this is the thing that I'm, I'm going for. This is what my audience wants from me, but I'm having a hard time getting it across. I'm having a hard time selling it because it's for everyone. Or, you know, I made this for everyone who likes fashion or everyone who needs to write something or everyone X, Y, and Z. What is your wisdom on not only niching down the passion, which we have, but niching down, like, who is that core customer that you are waking up every single day to serve? Because it can't be everyone. Yeah. So is the question like figuring out who your customer is or is the question communicating to them? I think it's both. Okay. Um, Figuring out who your core customer is, is a matter of, it kind of depends on what stage of business you're in too, right? Like if you're just starting it, it's having conversations with the people around you and it's noticing like in your gut, like who do you feel most called to help? Like, who are you? Who's the person that you encounter in your life that then, that then like sparks something in you to, to help them. And to, you know, you might even like have some secret desire to like save this person, right? How can you, Cause a lot of that stuff comes from there. It comes from this, like, who do you want to save and why? Right. Which we could get into on a deeper level, but a lot of our business purpose is ultimately comes, it ultimately comes from this piece of us. That's like my purpose on some level is to help this specific type of person. And so for me, like, as an example, I knew that I wanted to work with other creative entrepreneurs and I particularly wanted to work with people who were creative, but were not, not allowing themselves to kind of explore an area of creativity that they might feel called to explore, but they keep telling themselves they shouldn't, or they can't, or there's no time for it, or there's no money for it or whatever. Right. So I felt very called like that was 
consistently, like, these are the people I'm supposed to serve. Like it's, it just, every time I encountered someone that fit into that profile, I was like, okay, I'm noticing that that's, that's who my people are because I care the most about helping them. And, and it's still like the, the audience that I serve in a lot of ways. So I think it's really noticing like in yourself, you know, where does your heart actually like bleed? Who does your heart bleed for? And the more that you connect with what it is that you want to help them with and why you want to help them solve the problem, what it's going to give to them, what you know that they're going to be able to create for themselves, what goal are they going to be able to achieve that they couldn't, um, that that becomes really natural and clear. You know, when you're in a space in business where you have a market, you have an audience, you have a community that is asking you for stuff, then it becomes a matter of having those conversations. Um, and that they could be one-on-one conversations, they could be mass conversations, but it's a matter of of really deeply listening to what is what is your audience telling you? Like what are they, what are they, what's keeping them up at night? My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. And so I want to touch on that savior piece. Um, What is the (laughs) difference between serving 
and saving. Question one. Mm-hmm. And the second question is, how do you, how do you learn to, to, to create the boundary? Because that, that's a huge thing that happens when people start to get into service-based, when you're a service-based company, when you have service-based products, you, you know, you want to see people, you know, achieve results. You want to see people grow and scale. You want to see people transform and change their life and their business and all of that. Um, but if you are someone who at a deeper level, it's coming from this need or this desire to save someone or save something, then where is that fine line? Yeah. So the difference between serving and saving is that saving, serving is leadership and saving is actually, it's actually, um, codependency. it's not only it's, it's, it is codependency on some level, but it's, it's, not just a disservice to you, it's a disservice to them because you're not allowing them to step into their power. If you're, if you're help, if you're saving them, then you're, you're doing the work for them instead of letting them do the work for themselves, which is not in service of anyone's growth. And so the difference is that service is leadership. It's actually leading someone to step into their own power and allow them to take the steps they need to take and be responsible for their own results and be responsible for their own success. And you take radical responsibility and so do they. And that's everyone's job as a human, right? Even in community, we all take radical responsibility for ourselves. So that's, that's the ultimate difference. Saving is, is when you feel so compelled to help someone that, that you do not have the boundary of where you're stepping in to try to like, um, do the work for them or find the answer or solution for them too, instead of trusting that they can do the work themselves, that they can find their own solution and that what you've delivered as a leader is actually enough. Mm. Yeah, it's good. And then I want to touch on that intuitive piece and guts, because we were talking about your, your guts, which a lot guts. of this guts, a lot of this, um, you know, being responsible for the container and not like getting all messy in the container comes from really boundaries, but also really listening to yourself and, and, and giving your time, giving yourself the time and space that you need to really listen to yourself and check in. So what are your tools in order to do that? Whether that is, you know, launching a new product, um, collaborating with your community in a healthy way, um, being on social media. These are all the kind of questions that come in all the time. So it's like, how do I, how do I really give myself the time and space to listen to myself? What do I need to be listening for? And then how do I take action on that? So this is an interesting question because there are different circumstances that I can visualize coming up for someone where they're going to have to do the gut check, right? So like, let's just call it a gut check for the purposes of our conversation. So we can just name it that and then we'll talk about different ways of doing it because there are different ways this shows up. Like one is you have a lot of ideas and you're trying to make a decision what to move forward on, right? One is you have people asking you for support and you like know that you don't have the capacity to help them or something, right? Like, or maybe you're not sure if you do, but your gut response, your immediate or trigger response is yes, I will help you, which may or may not be the right answer. And then there's versions of, you know, you're planning stuff that you know is going to involve your team because you're launching something and you're trying to decide 
what you're willing to do versus actually asking people on your team to take responsibility and own something and, and take it off your plate, which is a big challenge that a big, big challenge that business owners have as they scale is like actually letting people do the work for them and do their job instead of being the person that's like, it's all, it's all me. And I'm going to do it faster and better and easier anyway, because I don't trust anyone to do it. Um, so I think there are different ways that this shows up, but what I'll say is actually creating the space to check in with yourself and to learn your own tells on intuition. Cause I think every, it shows up differently for everyone. But I think listening to your body is probably the easiest, most instant solution. Like if it feels, if you, if you feel tension in your body, like that feels like you got tighter or contracted or like your lungs collapse, like you like literally shrank, then it's probably a no. And if, if the, if the answer gives you a feeling of expansion or like you can breathe easier or it feels like a relief, then that's the yes. So most of the time, the easiest way to say like, follow your intuition is like, what is the, what is the answer that actually creates relief? in your body and like releases tension and feels like, like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense that, that it literally feels better in your physical body. I think that that's the easiest, the easiest way. There are other ways, but that's the instant gut check. Like did my butt clench or not? (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that topic, uh, I have a lot of ways I release tension and, uh, (laughs) Telling you guys, Jamie and I are really close. Um, <laughs> one of those ways is through writing, and I know that you you know a thing or two about writing. Um, but I want to. I don't want to talk about writing. I want to talk about story and storytelling. Um, Shimmy, shimmies, right? <laughs> so one of the best ways to you know a lot of times people say I want to write a book, but I don't know how. Well, you have to start writing you know, you want to be a writer, just write that that's whether it's morning pages, free flowing, journaling, whatever that is writing, just whatever it is, getting it pen to paper. Um, to me, just through my own experience, that is different than harnessing the art form that is storytelling. So I would love if you could walk Walk, walk us through, um, what makes a story stick? What are the elements to that? There are three elements of story, like on the most basic level, right? It's a character achieving a goal in spite of obstacles. That's ultimately what a story is. Like the hero's journey kind of. Well, any story period, it's a character achieving a goal in spite of obstacles. So if you are assessing like the elements of story, which you can do in isolation. You're always going to look at like, okay, who's the character? What's the goal? And what are the obstacles? And you can take that framework and you can like expand it, contract it, apply it to anything that you're working on period. And so at its most basic level, that's what story is. When we're talking about making stories stick, ultimately, because all story tracks the arc of transformation, right? Like as the character moves towards the goal, encounters obstacles, they learn things about themselves. They learn things about the world. They become more self-aware. They make more conscious choices. Um, That's like what story is. It's a map of like how humans grow and transform. 
And anyone who studied the hero's journey, which many of us have at this point, you know, I have a different way of teaching it a little bit, but that's ultimately, you know, the map that Joseph Campbell created out of studying all the different narratives and myths across time and across cultures um, to create, to basically identify like, what is this 12, what are the 12 stages of every hero's journey of every story that's ever been told from like the Epic of Gilgamesh to the last episode of this is us, right? Like that's ultimately right. What we're looking at and what this is. So making a story stick in my opinion is it's always about creating it's a few things, right? It's, it's about, cause the ultimate point of story is connection. And when an audience experiences a story, they either have the opportunity to see themselves in the character or they don't based on who the character is, what they're like, what they're going through, what they're struggling with. Um, and so your ultimate goal as a storyteller, like this is the purpose is to commune with the audience as much as you can. And that means like finding those points of connection that exist. And those points of connection might be we're different, but we've gone through the same thing, or it might be we're the same, but my story is a little bit different, but here's how I can help you. And so it's a matter of actually finding what those crossover points are, whether we're talking about marketing or whether we're talking about um, being on stage, but the stickiness is all about emotional resonance. And it's about hitting those emotional high and low points in the story where you're not afraid that by being this vulnerable, I'm just going to like repel people, you know, or by being this, this opinionated, I'm just going to repel people or by being this, whatever, I'm just going to turn people off. And the truth is that the more you lean into that, the more you attract. Um, and that's what makes a story sticky. It's Mm -hmm. actually having some dynamic movement in terms of negative and positive and having both, you know, we call them values in storytelling, like the high and low throughout the story. Um, and having that dynamic contrast is actually what makes a story stick. If that and makes I'll, sense. It does. And I think that I'll use my, just my own experience. Um, I think, and I, this is going to be more mindset with stories. One of the biggest struggles that I've seen in, in trying to strengthen the storytelling muscle is where I get in my own way and others may be able to connect with this is, well, what if I'm not clever enough? What if it doesn't connect in the way in which like I may see it and and feel it and hear it in my own being, but then when I get it out there, it's not quite making sense. Or what if it's not as dynamic or as whatever fill in the blank that I make up and tell myself that a story needs to be in order for it to be a story that people actually want to hear or read. So I know there's a couple of things in there for that, but for someone like me who may have those feelings come up, which then may keep them from being vulnerable on the paper and keep them from really going there and keep them from trying, what would be some of your um, tips and tools to, to release that? Are you open to me asking you a question on this? Always. (laughs) come on in I'll make you supper and we can talk all about your childhood traumas yeah I mean (laughs) we're planning this night really soon guys I hope you're all excited about it we're gonna just drink wine and talk about how our how (laughs) how our parents might have done things that made us I don't know be who we are as humans which all of us have everyone has this 
Every, every conversation um, we have. Yeah. There are no parents that haven't messed their kids up on some level. It's just not possible. Except for me. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> so the question I want to ask is like, what are you really afraid of? Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's when I go down that rabbit hole, that's what I, I'm like, what am I really afraid of? It's, is it, it's not really being seen, but maybe it's being fraud complex, imposter syndrome. Those things came, come up. Um, why, you know, that idea of, well, why would someone want to hear a story from me when they could go and hear it from mm-hmm. all these other people? Mm-hmm. Um, and then perfectionism. Mm-hmm. not getting the story yeah. right, whatever mm-hmm. that right is that I've made up and told myself. Yeah. So this is interesting because this came up on a conversation a couple of days ago as well. And, and here's what I want to share about this. Um, what I've identified recently, and this, this is just a share and then I do have tools as well. Um, but the, I think this is a value to share. So I was speaking with another friend who's working on a rebrand and sharing a lot of herself in it. And it's big and her mission is big and the impact she wants to make is big. And that's terrifying. Um, It's terrifying because it opens up a doorway for you to go expand what you're doing in a way that feels scary. And like, am I ready for this? And can I do this? And do I want this? And future tripping all the positives. And it's also scary because what if I do all of this? What if I rip my entire heart out and put it on the page and no one cares? And to be honest with you, both outcomes are painful. Mm-hmm. There really isn't a version that doesn't involve hurt or pain because growth is painful and rejection is painful. And so, and so the truth is that the only reward in vulnerability is knowing that you're, that you're being authentic and being honest and you're helping someone by doing that. And, it, and the, re, the response you get might not be what you need, might not be what your ego needs. It might not be what you desire. It might not be the perfect outcome that you've written in your head, but what's the alternative? Right. And I think accepting that like there's pain on either side and just knowing like, guess what? Either way you go, there's some, there's, you're going to encounter pain either way. Mm-hmm. You might as well do this the most authentic way possible. Right. Which and is just, just, you know, it's a mindset shift, right? But like, that's, yeah. And I think it's also knowing yourself of like, well, I'm someone who like wants what I want when I want it and how I want it. And I may not get it. And I may be like the five-year-olds in the sandbox having a bratty moment about it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm over myself. And I yeah. write. And, <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, and here's the deal. Like that is, that's like your inner child acting up, right? Like it's literally right. you painting the picture of like, I'm going to be a brat about this and I'm going to throw a fit. Right. And like, so we care for our inner child and we're like, you're cool. It's okay. Um, but the tools, honestly, the best tool is free writing. And taking the time to to really practice connecting with yourself on the page so that that feels easy. And because the the challenge when you have perfectionism is that you're constantly going to self-edit as you're writing. And so if you're doing that because you're typing, like write by hand, yeah. you know, write yeah. by hand, because guess what? We can't pause and like delete and like rewrite it and then try to make the sentence perfect. And then it's like, you're spending an hour writing one sentence instead of what, which you could have used to write 3000 words. Right. right. So 
it, little tools like that are helpful to just try to trick yourself and to continuing to write instead right. of pausing and, and assessing and guessing and editing and asking yourself if it's good enough. And then going down this entire mental astral journey where you've like decided that you're a failure as an author before you even started. <laughs> oh my God. So true. And so if that is you, don't buy any white out. <laughs> <laughs> my tip of the day. Uh, <laughs> or you'll spend a lot of time just like blowing on a piece of paper to wait for yes. it to dry. And that's just a waste of everyone's time. It is. That's really good old days. Um, writer's block. I don't know why that came up for me, but I wanted to talk to you about it. Okay, great. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So <laughs> someone starts this process. Yep. Um, and then they feel blocked. They feel stuck. From your experience, how is is it something that you should honor? Yes or no? And if so, how do you honor it? And then how do you get to the other side of it? What does it teach you? What should you be looking for? There's a lot of questions in there. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. And I think writer's block, um, I don't know that it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of don't know that it's real. Um, because I think that if you are following the flow of your own creativity, you're just following the flow of your own creativity. And it's not about, um, like judging how much you're getting done in a day or there are days that I don't put words to paper, but I'm still writing. Mm. And I know that actually sounds really, um, that sounds really insane, I think, to some people because there are a lot. And, and I'm still like, you can sit down and just write words. Like that can happen. Um, but there's also a degree of processing that happens like in, in, in the spaces in between actually writing that are significantly valuable to your writing. So, you know, when I think about writer's block, what that means to me is you're sitting down to write something and no words are coming, I guess. Right. And so if that's the case, like go take a walk or do something else or step away. Um, I don't, I don't think that there's, I don't think that writer's block is a real thing. Yeah. Um, and there are actual strategies that you can use to overcome. If you are actually like sitting down and you want to get work done and you feel stuck, there are a few things that I recommend. Number one is get in a community of other writers, which I've now been called to create. <laughs> which is so interesting that you're asking about this right now. Um, because it's, I think it's actually so important to be surrounded by other people that are writing and yeah. feel the energy of other people writing. And because it's so lonely. And the reason that writing sucks is because you have to do it by yourself, which is not fun. Yeah. Like, unless you're someone who really, really enjoys solitude and being alone, which I actually do. So I think that that's one of the reasons why it's a little less painful for me at times than other people. Um, but I'm still, a tr I'm truly an extrovert. So it's hard. Right. Um, so it's lonely and it activates the part of you that's mean. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you suck. You're not good enough. This is da, 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 da. And so then you're like sitting with yourself and your inner demons and it's <laughs> nothing fun about that. So, you know, the way to get it more fun is to find ways to create a fun environment for yourself and to create a support system around it. And so for me, that means being in community with other writers, setting co-writing dates so that you're not doing it by yourself and it holds you accountable to actually meeting the goals you want to meet. It means 
Um, for me, like I will literally ask myself, um, what do I want to wear today while I'm writing? Where do I want to be sitting? Like what actually feels good? Because there are days where it feels so edgy that doing it in your bed is the best option because, because there's a, your inner child is like having a moment, but you need to kind of just find a way to comfort that part of you and still do the work. And sometimes that means like, I'm cozy on my couch with fuzzy socks and a blanket around me and a cup of hot cocoa. And like that sets my like environment to make it feel less aggressive. Mm -hmm. And then it allows me to actually feel more vulnerable in my work because I'm in an environment where I'm comforted. Yeah. So sometimes it's that. So it's environment really matters and really just like, it's all those questions. Um, I actually have like an ebook called 25 ways to get in the flow when you don't feel like writing. And, um, you know, I'd be happy to gift that to anyone who's listening. I will give you a link because I don't even have it like linked up anywhere. But now that it's coming through, I'm like, I will get you a link for show notes where they can grab it because it has all of that stuff in there. Yeah. Perfect. And we will, um, we'll add it in the transcript as well. Thank you for that because they're going to love it. Um, so the other thing that was coming up for me was... What if you are someone who's like, Jamie, you know, I ain't got nothing. I got nothing to write about, no experiences, no, nothing to pull from, nothing special about me or my life or, (laughs) you know, my unique perspective in this world. You're just cracking me up right now. I'm sorry. I I have nothing to say. (laughs) Nothing. Where does that person start? Because I, I honestly think that's a, that's a huge, I mean, I've heard that a lot in my community of people who are like, well, why should I even do this? I have nothing to write about. Well, what do they want? They want to write. But they feel they have nothing to write about. Correct. So why do they want to write? I mean, I guess that would be a good question that they should ask themselves. Yeah. I think it's like, what's the goal? What's the purpose? Why do you, why do you want to? Cause that's not true. There are stories every right. day we live, like every single day of your life, every minute, every hour, like you are a character achieving a goal in spite of obstacles all the time. Right. Like I sat down to get on this call with you and my computer was randomly doing an update that it just decided to agree to start doing without my knowledge. And so it was rebooting itself. And I was sitting there being like, well, this is going to suck if it's not done in time. Cause I didn't even, this was, I did not agree to this. Right. And that, that could have been a very huge obstacle to getting, getting on with you today. Right. Um, like I, here's a really stupid little story. I bought a face wash the other day at Rite Aid that I use and I came home to start using it. And you know how pump bottles, like you twist them and they pop up and then you can actually pump them. Yep. I'm in the shower. I'm twisting. I'm twisting. I'm twisting. I'm twisting. I'm twisting. I'm twisting. It's not popping up. I'm finagling the thing. I'm twisting it the other way. I'm trying to figure out righty tighty lefty loosey. I'm like right. naked in my shower, just trying to open the thing. Can't do it. Can't do it. So then I start pulling because you know that's a good idea, and I break the whole thing. And I'm thinking I have a busy week. I'm stressed out. I have a lot going on. I do not have time to go to Rite Aid and get another effing face wash. The fact that I went once is hard enough. Like what is even, what is my life? But then I, I, <laughs> I give up. And, he, and here's what's funny is I, I thought to myself, I already recycled the bottle I had before this, which had a functioning pump top. I could have switched the pump tops. 
And if I would have just waited another minute before I threw it away in the recycling, then I would have had a solution right here. Right. And so I thought to myself, I wonder what else I've thrown away too quickly. Hmm. Because I'm such a person who's like, no, don't need it. Okay. Like decluttering all the time, constantly. Mm-hmm. And so it made me think really mindfully about like, mm, is this a message that like, if you pause before you, before you throw something away, when you acknowledge like an uncomfortable feeling that wants, that makes you want to push something away or throw it away. Like, what if you sit with that for a minute longer? You know, what is this here to show me? I asked myself. And so that became like something that I started applying and thinking about more recently. I've since, by the way, gone to write it and exchanged it. And I now have a functioning face wash bottle. Thank you very much. But everyone goes through things like this. this. That's a relatable story that had a message, right? And that's just an example of like you, every, every human being who's breathing has stories because story is human. Right. Well, and I think that that's the message to my question that people may feel as if they don't have stories because they're not pausing and taking time to really see, hear, smell, taste, feel, sense the experiences that are happening, happening every second of every day, even an experience that you may think is so minute and irrelevant and whatever and annoying and frustrated. And you just want to get out of the annoyance into the next thing that could be, if you pause, that could be the one thing that opens up, you know, an aha for you and a story. Yeah. And that's what I would say the tool, the takeaway for that is, um, that the way into that is like emotion. Yeah. The more you can tap into an emotion, you can, you can write through the emotion. Like emotional writing is really, um, resonant and it's a great way in. And so the way that I was got into that story was like, I'm naked in the shower trying to just get face wash on my face. And it's, I'm irritated and angry and pissed and annoyed and frustrated. And so even if you're just like, I'm annoyed right now, why am I annoyed? What's happening? What's frustrating me? What challenge am I encountering? Like you're in a story. Hmm. I love so that. use it, yeah. use it. It's all, it's all content. What has been your biggest win and biggest challenge of the year so far on your own story journey? Does that, what does that wait on my own story journey? Does that mean like personal Just, growth? <laughs> it, can like mean, it can mean whatever. Yeah. It can mean either. I mean, on your own journey this year of building your business, growing your life. I've led some really awesome retreats this year. That's a big win. Um, I would say that for me, the biggest, the biggest win, and this doesn't even feel like a win, but it's my, it's my truth is that I experienced cataclysmic loss this year. And I feel that I am somehow, some way in allowing myself to heal through that and not rushing myself through the process as much as possible. I am managing to thrive in spite of that, Hmm. which is insane. I Hmm. think. Um, and I actually believe that that experience has allowed me to support like my clients and students in a way that I couldn't before. Mm-hmm. So that is to me, my biggest win. Do you want to share a challenge? That's the challenge. <laughs> the win is the challenge. No, I, there are so many challenges every day in business. What's the biggest challenge? I think patience is always the biggest challenge. Hmm. I think that's a, the perfect word for today's conversation. 
I mean, we've talked about patience in figuring out your passion, patience in, you know, figuring out who you're meant to serve, patience in finding the stories inside you, patience in overcoming really uncomfortable, painful things, whether that's perfectionism or loss. Yeah. Like that. What does influence mean to you? Influence means that you can change another person just by, just by being you. Hmm. And then what's next for you on the horizon with, with your creative endeavors and then also with how you're serving your community? What's next for me is I, in addition to like serving my community intimately with story stuff, I'm being called to create a writer's community called Writer's Block Party. So that's going to be a fun thing that I'm excited to put into the universe. Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's just here. It's presently here. So that's exciting for 2020. Um, In addition to, you know, I have a course on copywriting that helps people write their website and that sort of thing. Um, But more of the ongoing writing projects I'm excited to support people with. It feels, the time feels like now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm writing, you know, I'm a screenwriter. I write movies too. There's lots of writing projects that I'm always juggling. That's really fun for me. And yeah, just continuing to serve and teach. For someone who is listening that wants to take their message to the next level, what would be your, what would be your, your best insight or advice for them that you could leave them leave with them get clear on why you care about what you're doing and know the outcome that you actually provide to people mm. and then where can everyone find you stop now you can find me at thejamiejensen.com i'm also on instagram at jamie jensen it's my name can stalk me all you want at both of those places. And I got plenty of resources and they can go to the jamiejensen.com slash 25 ways. That's the number two, five. So it's the jamiejensen.com slash two, five ways to grab that ebook. And if someone wants to work with you, should they go to the website? Yeah, they could go to the website or they could email us at jamie at the jamiejensen.com. There's an application they could fill out on the site as well to tell us more about what their needs are and what they're looking for. Awesome. And yeah, I'd be happy to chat with him about that. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I don't want this to end. I know. (laughs) We still have so much to talk about. (laughs) Oh, I love you so much. Um, We'll definitely have you back on because there's just so many layers to the depth of what we can talk about. Um, And just thank you for being you. I love you. I love you. Thank you. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the influencer podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right. I will see you again. Same time, same place next week.